two reasons your playroom isn't working and one thing you can do that will help fix it. All coming up on today's episode. Let's dig in. Hey friend, welcome to the Joy Loving Home Podcast. I'm Joy Ridenauer, wife, mom of four, and unorganized professional organizer. I have a heart for ADHD moms and kids. After spending years learning and organizing for other people, I realized there is a real need to turn the concept of being well-planned and organized upside down. It shouldn't be created by type A naturally organized people as a way to fix you or your home. Organizing, planning, and productivity should fit the way your brain thinks. Albert Einstein said, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Well, fish, let's quit trying to climb trees while being given tips by monkeys who cannot understand how our brains think. Join me in the water and learn how to swim with the current of your life. It's time to say yes to unorganized organization and flexible productivity. It's time to choose joy. As we're approaching Christmas, it seems like a very uh, timely time (laughs) to be talking about playrooms because if we don't clear out a little bit of what is already there, when new things start coming in, we're going to end up with more frustration and more chaos and more clutter. Let's talk about why your playroom isn't working and how to fix it. So first of all, if you are lucky enough to have a playroom and (laughs) uh, a lot of us had these visions of finally having a house where there was a room we could call playroom and you've probably dreamt it up on Pinterest and you may have even gotten some lovely little storage cabinets and even if it looks like the ideal Pinterest playroom, you are scratching your head and saying, why will my kids not play in it? Why is it a constant wreck? And why did this not solve the problem of having toys all over the house? We have a playroom. And if you are not lucky enough to have a house where you have space for a playroom, let me tell you, relax into the fact that it actually doesn't fix anything. So (laughs) let's talk about why and let's talk about how to fix this. Reason number one, your young kids want to be near you. I know there are times when you're like, I just, like you have every toy in the world and you have a gorgeous playroom. Will you just not go play independently? What am I doing wrong that I cannot get you to play independently? That's probably a deeper psychological question that I'm going to dig into now, but let's just be aware of the reality. They want to be near you. And when I say young children, I don't mean like preschool age. I mean through elementary school. They just like being near you. And you're not doing anything wrong from a parenting perspective and you're not doing anything to like hamper their ability to be independent. They, I really believe it's just sort of biological. They like to be near you. If your playroom is very far removed from the main location of the house, you're going to discover that they never want to be in there. If your playroom is like a repurposed keeping room den, formal living room that is, you know, shouting distance from the kitchen or wherever you are mainly hanging out, family room, 
you may discover they're in it a little bit more, but you will more often discover that toys have been drugged from wherever they are into the exact location you are working, and that is where they're plopped down playing. Let's just acknowledge that it is what it is. This is so hard to tell yourself, but I'm not kidding you. Tell yourself as many times as you need to. There will be a time when they don't want to be anywhere near you. That I also think is biological. They start wanting to be on their own and away from you and behind a shut door in their bedroom more more quickly than you will realize and you will come to a point where you miss having them underfoot. I speak from experience. Enjoy that they are around and let's not fight it. Number one, nothing wrong is happening. They like to be near you. So if you have the most phenomenal playroom known to man and it is removed from you, they will not be there. That is reason one. Reason two is that even if the playroom is nearby, or even if you're like, I'm just going to sit in here and clean out my email inbox and do online stuff that I need to get done, and I'll be right here so they'll actually play in the playroom, sometimes they'll keep bugging you and not play in it very well because they are way overwhelmed with all the stuff that is in it. I have always found it interesting, although I shouldn't find it surprising at all, that the times when I would literally empty out the playroom and say I'm starting from scratch, maybe even paint it and rearrange furniture and reimagine it, the times when my kids have had the most fun in their quote-unquote playroom is when it was empty to nearly empty. It suddenly became the most fabulous place to run around in open space. It became the most fabulous place to invent some off-the-wall game with a ball that has a mixture of 16 sports involved in it. It became the home of where they could lay out this, you know, elaborate block village with little people zoos in it and cars and, you know, mini trikes that would visit the Chick-fil-A and the, you know, the gas station and the who knows what, there There was so much imagination that would occur right up until I organized well, all the toys were all brought back in and then the imagination ceased to exist. The interest in playing in the room ceased to exist. And I'm like, why do I not just leave it empty? Uh, same kind of concept of the box that the toy came in being more interesting than the toy itself. We do know there's actual studies that back it up that the less a kid has to play with, not nothing, I'm not saying, you know, a sad, lonely situation, but the less clutter, the more the brain has room to stretch and breathe and become full of an imagination. Couple th- ways to tackle these two reasons your playroom isn't working. Because we're in this season of gift giving and sharing, this seems like a good time to be tackling this topic. Step number one is that you need to pare things down, like way down. And if you need a little help in getting your kids on board with that, go watch Toy Story again. <laughs> or the Rudolph episode that has the Land of Misfit toys, and let's personify their toys. If toys have feelings and then toys are sad that they're not getting played with, it can be real motivation to be 
you know, we're not going to be greedy kids. You, you have more toys than you can play with, and it's not fair to these toys that they never get play with, played with, especially when there are kids out there that don't have any and would love to love on these toys. Let's be very kind-hearted, and let's gather up the toys that are not getting the attention they deserve, and let's get them to a kid who would love to love on these toys. You will be surprised at the capacity of care that your kids have when their toys are suddenly personified as having feelings. So there's a tip for you when you're trying to go through and get rid of things. Be brutal. A toy that you spent good money on that is not being played with is not earning any of its money back. It's not suddenly valuable. And I know you're like, well, every time I try to get rid of my toys the kids suddenly think they're the most exciting and wonderful things to play with. I get it. It absolutely does happen. My best tip for this is if they're super young and you know they're not going to miss it, then pack it away when they're not participating in the process. But I am more an advocate of letting them participate. And this next step that I'm about to tell you will help with the ones that they're super begrudging about. So at least remove the ones that they're willing And then let's talk about the ones that are not willing and how to open up that space so that it becomes more creative and how it solves the first step, which was how they want to be near you. So this is the big, big mind shift that needs to change how you think about your playroom. We are going to quit calling it the playroom and we're going to start calling it the toy library. And if your kids have never been to a real library, this might be a little trickier in their mindset. I don't know if kids in schools anymore have media center visits where they get to check out books that they have for the week until they go back to media a week later and they get to turn them in. I hope that still exists. If not, maybe this whole process starts with a trip to your local library. You see what's there. I mean, there are some fantastic children's sections in your local public library. Take a trip. Get a library card. It feels super special. Help them to understand that they have all of these books at their disposal to borrow for free. They take good care of and then they return two weeks later, a week later, however long you all want to do this as a setup. What you're going to create in your house is not a playroom. It is a toy library. And why I want you to consider it a toy library is all of that organization you set up and all of that space that you have. If you literally get some clear bins, use the bins you have. If they're not clear, it's fine. But start getting your kids to help you categorize toys into themes. This is all trucks or trains or Don't even break it down that small. Transportation. There's there's the transportation section. There's the animals section. There's the superhero section. There's the princesses and fairies section. There's the blocks section. There's the musical instrument section. However you want to divide up your toy library, create it as best as you can into bins that are either labeled with words if your kids can read or words with a picture if they can't and tell them we're going to start checking out no more than you choose. Two tubs at a time, three tubs at a time, whatever you think you can manage. When they have 
three tubs that are out. That means they can drag those three to wherever you are. That means it's in your family room space, if it's in their bedroom, if it's a corner of the kitchen, whatever you can tolerate because you know the toys are there anyway. <laughs> so let's put some parameters around how many are there and how they're, how long they're there and what makes sense of them being there. They can check those toy tubs out and if all of a sudden they're in the middle of playing, they're like, oh, I really want to add some blocks to this, the animals I have. And you're like, well, but you also have cars out and you also have Legos out. Which toys are you going to return to the library so you can check out a different bin? And sometimes they're going to get frustrated with this and you can start talking through what that means. And sometimes they're going to be like, oh yeah. And they scoop up all of the trains back into the bucket and they run the bucket back into the library and they come out with a block bucket instead. Start noticing how this is actually corralling and controlling the amount of toys that are out and everywhere. And the toy library is the place where the toys will quote unquote stay other than the ones that are permitted to be out. And I am in favor of not like controlling every little space, but when you're trying to tame some chaos, this sort of structure can be super helpful. I'm also a huge advocate for when your kid has taken a whole lot of time to be super imaginative and has created a little world of their toys, and then all of a sudden you're like, it's cleanup time, and you see them deflate like a balloon over needing to clean up something they're in the middle of playing, and you know that imagination would pick up tomorrow where they are leaving off, I'd like you to have a space where you're like, this can actually stay up. It's okay. I mean, I really don't think homes with kids in them need to be sterile. <laughs> I hope they can have spaces where it's okay to leave some stuff up and reimagine it the next day. And if they come out the next day and they completely ignored it and there seems to be zero interest, then then tell them to like scoop it up and go take it back to the toy library and see what interests them as something new the next day. Or because you do have this place that used to be a playroom that you can gently nudge and say, look, if you want to build a world and you want to do it and leave it up for a while, create it in the playroom. Let there be a big open space in the corner or on the floor in the middle or on that Farmer Thomas the train table that doesn't have any trains on it anymore where they can really create a world and leave it up within the parameters of that table for a while. It might make that toy library a little more attractive because it's the one space where they're allowed to leave their things up as they're imagining and it gives them some security in their imagination to feel like things can stay for a while. So I hope that's helpful. Just as a recap, you know your kids want to be near you. So let's give up the unrealistic expectation that they're going to play off in a playroom in some far corner of the house. Two, kids are always overwhelmed with too many toys. So let's edit down either the total number, yes, but also the access to how many are out at a time. And that's with the invention of the toy library instead of having a playroom. Hope this helps. Hope this makes sense in my Facebook group. I'll post a few pictures of some toy libraries I have created with clients. I have kids that are older now and we don't have playroom anymore. 
I wish I had used it when they were younger, something I did not know about when I was a parent of young ones. But for every client I have created toy, toy libraries for, I have revisited them months and months later, and they are raving about how it still functions well and how, yes, there are still toys in the corner of the kitchen, but they can deal with them because they know it is a finite controlled amount that if necessary can be scooped up into the bin they came in and taken back to the toy library and things are back on track fairly quickly. So what if you don't have space for a playroom so therefore you cannot turn your playroom suddenly into a toy library? Well, look around your house. Is there a closet, an attic space, a basement space that can become the toy library? Yours will be a little more removed, so it can be a little bit more of a headache, but it can also be a way to keep the majority of the toys corralled still, yet accessible when they want to trade things out. I know you've probably heard of like a toy rotation system. This just gives the kid a little more control on the timeliness of checking things in and out, not feeling like there need to be so many toys before we switch to new ones. It can be, like I said, a a tub or two or three is all that's ever out and about in the house at any given time before things are switched out. Toy libraries can be created without a designated room. And then finally, the other added benefit of the toy library is if you revisit this next holiday season or near a birthday, if it's a few months down the road, you can look and go, hey, you know what? They have never checked out this tub or this tub. So guess what that means? Those toys can be donated on without guilt or concern or even checking back in with your kid because they clearly have not been interested enough in checking them out. There have been effectively quarantined long enough to be decided upon. So that's just a little added benefit. Again, I hope all of this is helpful. Comment to me either on Instagram or in my Facebook group about if you give this a try and if you if it works for you. And until next time, choose joy. Did we just connect? Do you feel at home here? Then please do me a favor. Yes, like right now. We can do this together in real time because I know you're about to forget because your brain's going to jump to the next thing. I get it, but stick with me. Literally stop what you're doing, look down at your phone and hit the follow button or the subscribe button, whatever it's called. That will make sure you're here for my next episode. And I so want you to join me. Yay. Okay. Now scroll all the way down and please rate and review this podcast. That will help other moms find me. And then they won't feel so alone either. It literally is such a gift to me when I get to read your thoughts and when you connect with me personally. There are so many ways you can do it. Shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'm at joylovinghome. Email me, joy at joylovinghome.com. Or join me in my community, bit.ly slash joylovinghomecommunity. Can't wait to see you there.